your worship guide today. Um, that would allow you to connect to all of our online information about our church, the giving of tithes and offerings, along with our social media platforms, all in one convenient place. And again, guests, if this is your first time, please scan that QR code and click that first time guest um, um, button in that QR code. Uh, that way we can get to know you and you can get to know us as well. Uh, at the Village Church, we believe that the giving of tithes and offerings is an act of worship. And you may give to the vision and mission of the church online, or you may mail a check to our address, which is 2103 Virginia Boulevard. Or after service, you may drop your offering in the designated area in the back of the sanctuary. Um, each year, In Focus works to connect international students from UAH with families for Thanksgiving. If you are interested in hosting one or more interna- international students for this Thanksgiving, please send an email to Seth Waldecker at Seth at Paradigms.net. Um, today after worship, the uh, Teak Village Group will meet in the church house, and a few Amen. And a few upcoming announcements: the church office will be closed November 24th and 25th. Um, and for Sunday, November 27th, um, uh, 9:30 worship. Um, please note that the donations needed for first stop are listed on the back of your worship guide. So if you see. If you look on the back of the worship guide, there are um, items that First Stop is looking for for you to donate. These are our announcements. Please govern yourselves accordingly. Amen. Now let's move into worship. (laughs) This is a new song. If you guys don't mind, let's, let's, let's stand and worship together. This is a new song, so you may not know it, but it's really simple, and I love to teach it to you. It says that only you can satisfy my heart. Amen. How many, how many of you know that, that only Jesus can truly satisfy you? Amen. Only you can satisfy my heart. And only you can satisfy my soul. And only you can satisfy my heart. Jesus, Jesus. Y'all sound real good. Say that again. Only you can satisfy.
worship today comes from 2 Samuel 22. And it says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge. Everyone, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my Savior. You save me from violence. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. Amen. This next song says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. You guys know this one, right?
feed y'all's energy this morning. Good morning. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You may be seated for right now. I'll make you stand up again later. At this point, we want to do the prayer of praise. I have a confession this morning. This week has really sucked. But God is good. His mercy endures forever. He gives grace when we don't deserve it. He gives us mercy when we don't deserve it. So we have a lot to be thankful for. We have hope. So let us go before the throne boldly and thankful and excited about our future and what we have in Christ. Lord, we thank you so much for our early early rising this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the rising of the sun as well as the setting of it. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you hold the earth on its tilt perfectly so we don't burn up. Or we're not too cold because it's cold this morning. Lord, we thank you, Lord God, that you numbered the stars in the sky and you had the audacity to say that they're all there. I don't know that. We thank you, Lord God, that the moon governs the night and the sun governs the day because, Lord, you establish it by your word on your mouth. I say all these things just to recognize how great you really are and how small we really are. We thank you, Lord, that Lord, that you're gracious to people. He said, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you should tend to us? Lord, you know our every need, our every desire, our every passion, our deepest sorrows. Whatever is bothering us today, Lord, you are capable of resolving and fixing it. So we can be excited, Lord, as children of yours, Lord, that uh, we have hope. We're not without a Savior. We're not lost. You know where every last one of your children are. We thank you, Lord God, that you put your word in our mouth, your word in our heart. You are our Lord, and we shall be your children. We thank you, Lord God, for this body of Christ that you've given us, Lord, that we can rely upon, put our trust in. And, Lord, we know that every part has its valued role that it must play. We thank you for the village church, Lord, and to be involved in this community. But, Lord, I pray that this village church will be a beacon on top of a hill. That, Lord, we'll fulfill our role in this community as you desire for us. That you give us vision, guidance, and, Lord, the grace to do it. Lord, we pray for the leaders of this church. We pray for Pastor Alex. He comes and brings the word. Lord, I pray that he decrease, that you might increase mightily in him. I pray that his words that he speak, Lord, come across with conviction and with much truth. Lord, I pray that, Lord God, that you would always encourage him, that he knows that if you be for him, who can be against him? I pray that for everybody in this building. When we are at our deepest lows, Lord, you show up and you let us know that you are there. Your word says when your people pray, you lean in just a little bit closer. It's good to have a master who's just always there. When you're without hope or you feel discouraged, you're not excited as you normally are. The zeal is not where it should be. Children getting on your nerves. No offense. Job is not working out the way it should be. A sign on the side of the road almost falls on top of your truck because you almost knock it down during the week. But, Lord, you are a keeper of your people, and you keep us safe. So we're thankful this morning. We thank you for the elders in this church. I thank you for Richard. I thank you for all that he does do, Lord, that's behind the scenes that nobody ever sees but the Lord. Because for that reason, he will have a reward in heaven. So I thank him for that. I thank you for his encouragement. That slight push to see you stumbling, moving forward. Lord, thank you for that. We all need you.
Pastor Alex. His, um, his encouraging heart, uh, his gracious heart, his forgiving heart. Lord, you know your child. So, Lord, I thank you for him. I thank you for the, the guy on the, on the piano. Thank you for his fingers that work so softly, Lord. Thank you that he's somebody who's reliable and dependable. There's a lot that goes into, Lord, to making a Sunday morning work. But, Lord, we know you in total control. I thank you for the young lady on the drums. Lord, I thank you for the guy that's on the bass. So, Lord, I thank you for the singer. I pray that you'll bless them, bless their going and their coming. Lord, I pray, Lord God, that you will continue to bless the remainder of our day. And that, Lord, we continue to put our hope and our trust in you and only you, Lord. I pray for the members who are in the sick and shut-in. People who might have illnesses like COVID, the flu. But, Lord, I pray that you'll reach them right where they are. And, Lord, Lord, you have a plan for their life as they go through this. Maybe you send them down so you can speak to them in the quietness of the day. But, Lord, I pray for all of us that we'll see the beauty in the day as we continue to walk around. We feel the wind blow because we know you control it. The sun shine upon our skin. Lord, I thank you for this day and all these blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Now we will have the confession of sin as God requires us to do. And this is a great opportunity to reflect on how we have not met the righteous requirement as God has um, laid before us. But we do have a blessing in Jesus. The scripture will come from 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Let us meditate on that for a moment. As always, our master is always gracious to us. As we fall short, he fills in the gap by sending his son to die for us. So the assurance of pardon was going to come from 1 John chapter 2, verse 23 through 25. Whoever confessed the son, I'm sorry, whoever confesses the son has the father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he's made to us, eternal life. This is, this is the Lord's word. Now I will read to you the scripture reading for the day, which is coming from Psalms 119, verses 1 through 8. And this is where you'll stand. How happy are those whose ways is blameless, who walks according to to the Lord's instruction. Happy are those who keep his decrees and seek him with all their heart. They do nothing wrong. They walk in his ways. You have commanded that your precepts be diligently kept. If you only, I'm sorry, if only my ways are committed to keeping your statutes, then I would be, would not be ashamed when I think about all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteousness and your judgments. I will keep your statutes and never abandon them. I have read to you Psalms 119, verses 1 through 8. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. 
that God is our strength. Amen. And he's a strength like no other.
good. Say it loud. Strength like strength like We're now going to have a time of prayer supplication, and I don't know if you ever asked yourself this question, if God knows everything, then why do we need to pray? Like if he's decreed things, if he's sovereign, and he's omniscient, and all these little terms, if he knows all these things, then why do we still need to pray? Prayer shows our dependency upon him. That's what it shows. It's our humility. It shows that we need him. So when we're praying prayers of praise, when we're going to him praying prayers of supplication, when we're making intercession on behalf of others, this is us admitting to God that we're not sovereign, that there's we need more going on in our life than our, than our resources and our connections. So prayer is you displaying your dependency upon Jesus. So when you don't pray, that means you're not dependent on him. You depend upon yourself. And in America, it's easy to do that because of the culture that we live in. So now we're going to have these times of supplication. So this is where you can go and pray for needs that you have in your own life or intercede on behalf of loved ones, your neighbors, and co-workers. So let us go to the Lord now and bring to him our prayers of supplication. Father, you are our strength. Even if we realize it or not, even if we struggle to believe it, it's true. And I'm grateful that your that your character is not based upon my belief. That you are who you are because of what your word says. I pray that you would minister to each of us in the places where we truly live. You are good. You are faithful. And you know our struggles. You know our fears. You know our insecurities. You, you know our frustrations. You know our hurts. You know our disappointments. You, you know all the things, Lord. And sometimes we want to blame you. Sometimes we want to point the finger at you. 
And that's just keeping it real. Sometimes we yell out and latch out at you. It's like, how long, Lord? This doesn't make any sense, Lord. Why? Why, Lord? Sometimes we might not get an answer to that why. But your word tells us that you are for us and not against us. Your word tells us that you have inscribed us on the palm of your hands. Your word tells us that even though our mother and father may forget us, but you want. Your word tells us that you have cast our sins as far as the east as from the west. Your word tells us that, that you're, you are with us in the valley of shadow of death, Lord. That's what your word teaches us. And sometimes my circumstances don't teach me that. My circumstances says I'm alone. It's all up to me. I think we've all been in those places, in that hole, in that darkness, where we're wondering where in the world is the God that I say that I love. Father, I pray that you minister to us in that place. Either through your people, through a word, through creation, to, to show us that we are not alone in our sickness, in our burdens, in our um, broken relationships, and in, in all the things, Lord, the disappointments, the, the health issues. I wish life would always go according to my calendar. I wish my circumstance would always go according to how I want it. But life does not travel in a straight line. There's so many curves, so many potholes. But the one thing that should bring us comfort is that you are with us. You're not in the stands watching us struggle. You're in the foxhole with us. You're in the arena with us. You're in the game with us. Through the Spirit who lives in us supernaturally. So Lord, meet our needs. Provide the, the financial blessings that some of us need. Provide the reconciliation that some of us need in our broken relationships. Give some of us the courage to, to reach out for help for our addictions to call that counselor, to call that friend. Be for us what we can never be for ourselves. Will you do that, Lord? In Christ's name that I pray. Amen. If you have your Bible, open it to Psalm 119 or your Bible app. One late uh, Christian seminary professor once said, as human beings, we are naturally inclined to be one-sided. As human beings, we are naturally inclined to be one-sided. Reflect on those words, take them to heart, and do we believe it? Do we recognize this inclination in ourselves?
You see, we all take positions in our lives when it comes to politics, money, education, church, gender, gender, sexuality, government, family, and so on. You name it, as Americans, we got an opinion about it. We have a position about it. And we can so strongly believe in our opinions that we have a tendency to become either or people. When we believe that things either has to be this way or that way with no middle ground, when we believe everything in life is always black and white with no shades of gray, then we're prone to become one-sided. Are you living a one-sided life? Is your life, my life, out of balance? Are we living a life where we're the one that's always on the right side of history? This morning we're going to begin talking about how we can move away from living a one-sided life to living a more balanced life. That's a amen statement if you want to have balance in your life. And here's the thing. Wholeness is what moves us from point A to point B. Wholeness. One psychotherapist says, we need to take time to notice, learn, and listen with our heart and soul rather than using logic to arrive at what I believe is the ultimate goal of humanity, the promise of wholeness. The promise of wholeness. How does that word make you feel? What do you think? About it. Do you want wholeness in your life? We're going to talk about the promise of wholeness today and next week. The sermon text is Psalm 119, verses 1 through 4 today. And the big idea is this wholeness leads to a more balanced life. Wholeness leads us to live a more balanced life. Please pray with and for me. Holy Spirit, nothing that is said today is going to have any impact in my heart and the hearts of everyone here if you don't move. It's going to go in one ear out the other. So the word teaches us that you are the one who leads us into all truth. You are the one who helps us understand Scripture. So, Holy Spirit, will you please do that today for the glory of Jesus and for our good and for our benefit. In Christ's name that I pray. Amen. According to one late minister, he he said, Psalm 119 is a statement of a believer's experience. A statement of a believer's experience. So, Psalm 119 is what believers can experience through the power and the influence of the Holy Spirit. Now, in your own strength, the Holy Spirit has to do it. And that experience is the promise of wholeness. And remember the main point. Wholeness leads us to live, to live a more balanced life. But do we believe it? Ruben Gonzalez is a retired, legendary, professional racquetball player. But before he became a legend, he experienced a defining moment back in 1985. You see, Ruben was in the, first, the final match of his first professional racquetball tournament. He was play, playing Marty Hogan, the perennial champion. The men were locked into a five-game battle. 
Gonzalez, he, he was seeking his first shot at victory on the Pro Tour circuit. And at match point in the fifth and final game, Gonzalez made a super kill shot in the front quarter corner to win the tournament. The ref called it good. One of the linemen confirmed the shot was a winner. But after a moment's hesitation, Gonzalez turned and declared that his shot had skipped into the wall, hitting the floor first. As a result, the serve went to his opponent who went on to win the match. Ruben Gonzalez, he walked off the court. Everyone was stunned. The next issue of a leading racquetball magazine featured Gonzalez on the cover. The lead editorial searched in question for explanation for what happened. Who could even imagine of anything like this happening in any sport? He was a player with everything officially in his favor, with victory in his grasp who disqualifies himself at match point and loses. When asked why he did it, Gonzalez replied, it was the only thing I could do to maintain my integrity. It was the only thing I could do to maintain my integrity. What does Gonzalez's decision show us? It shows us that doing what's right is more priceless than winning. Amen? It shows us that integrity is more valuable than victory. TBC Saints' wholeness first looks like integrity. Do I need to pull out the sermon? Okay, okay, just checking. I was waiting on it. So if you see a dead silence in my sermon, that means I'm waiting on that amen. Okay. <laughs> Holiness first looks like integrity, but do we believe it? And this is what the psalmist shows us here in verse 1. He says, blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. That this phrase, whose way is blameless, it appears to be talking about perfectionism. Would you agree? It appears that way. Is the psalmist saying, blessed are those whose life is perfect? Blessed are those who have perfect obedience to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who have it all together. Blessed are those who have no struggles and no issues. Blessed are those who are not broken. The answer is no. You see, appearances are not always what they seem. Verse 1 only seems to be talking about perfectionism. The Hebrew term that's translated blameless, it means sound, complete, upright, and even better, it means integrity. It means integrity. Does anyone know what integrity means? Integrity is from the Latin word that means whole. Think about that. Take it to heart. Integrity is from a Latin word that means whole. Integrity is wholeness. One blogger writes, integrity is the, the, is the experience of feeling whole, whole in honesty, truth, and virtue with oneself. A person of integrity is undivided, unimpaired, undefiled. This person is authentic, sincere, and ethical. Integrity means doing what's right when it's hard and doing what's right when nobody's watching you. That's integrity. 
It means aligning your conduct with what you know to be excellent. In other words, integrity is a character trait. You either have it or you don't. So happy are those who have the character trait of integrity. But who are those who should have it? Who are the people the psalmist is talking about here in verse 1? TVC Saints, please understand the psalmist, the psalmist's words here are for believers. Believers. A- amen? Okay. I still got, y'all still haven't learned yet. And believers are people who have saving faith in Jesus. People who have surrendered and submitted themselves to him. People who have accepted him as Savior and Lord, Redeemer and King. Many of us here have made such a profession. And as a result, we have been adopted into God's family. And now in Christ, we are God's beloved daughters and beloved sons. Now, what if you don't have faith in him? Well, that no longer has to be your truth. Put your truth to the side for a moment. Then come to the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. Will you come? See, Jesus is offering you the forgiveness, the acceptance, the rest, the security that you're searching for. Will you come to him this morning in saving faith? John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, there's people in the world, that he gave his only son on the cross, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you want forgiveness, if you want to be a beloved child, if you want everlasting life, if you want to know God and be made right with God, then you have to do what Paul says in Romans 10, verses 9 and 11. He says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's just that simple. It's just that simple. I know the church historically puts up a lot of more barriers to salvation, but salvation is simple. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes and is justified. And with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. So repent and be reconciled to God. Then, and only then, will you be adopted into God's family as his beloved. Can't get there, but through Jesus. And then these words in Psalm 119 will apply directly to you. For the psalmist tells us that Christians are to be people of integrity, people who do what's right, even when it's hard, even when no one is looking at us. Our lives should align with our beliefs. Christians should value integrity more than victory. But do we believe that? TVC saints, we can't experience wholeness in our lives as Christians without integrity. Because if you don't have integrity, then you have something else. What do you think is the opposite of integrity? Congregation participation time. Go ahead, just shoot something out. There are no wrong answers here. Deceit? Anything else? What was that? What what does that mean? (laughs) Hmm. Okay. Deep thinker right there. 
Anything else? Hypocrisy and duplicity are the opposites of integrity. One organization that's dedicated to helping people lead more accountable lives says this on their website, website, a person is hypocritical when they pretend to be something they are not, believe something they do not believe, and value something they do not really value. Their words and their actions do not align with their true values and beliefs. They are playing the part of someone they are not. Hypocrisy hurts because it originates from a lie. No, not Chick-fil-A. Christians are not called to be people who play the part. We're not called to be people to pretend to be something that we're not. We're called to be people of integrity. Happy are Christians who have integrity. For their theology works itself out in their lives ethically. Okay? For the truth they believe is lived out in all areas of their life. For they practice what they preach. For their private and their private lives will be consistent. So social media life should reflect your real life. So who are you on social media? Is that the real you? Or is that the fake you? Who is real? For their life is more balanced and less one-sided. When we have integrity, we don't just confess to be sons and daughters, but we functionally live like beloved sons and daughters. There's a, there's, there's a connection. When we have integrity in our lives, it, it will look, we, our lives will look like the second half of verse 1. Look with me again. Blessed are those whose life is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Those who have integrity walk in the law of the Lord. But now, what does it mean to walk in the law of the Lord? It appears the psalmist is advocating for moralism and legalism and, and works-based righteousness. Remember, appearances are not what they always seem to be. The Hebrew term translated walk, it, it, it refers to the way we continually conduct ourselves. The, the walk is your lifestyle. It's, the, it's how you function and navigate the world in which you live. Think about it like this. Happy is the Christian who walks in God's law Do we walk in God's law with integrity? When you, what do you really think when you hear the word God's law? When I first read that, when DeMarco first read it at the beginning, when I read it, walking in God's law, what was the first thing that comes to your mind? Was it joy or burden? Was it excitement? Or pastor getting ready to beat me up. What was your first thought? Does it make you feel afraid? Do you sense that uh, your sinful bent towards legalism and self-righteousness is ready to take over? Does, does, does his law oppress you? Do you feel like it takes away your freedom? Christians who are moving towards wholeness and integrity have a more balanced view of God's a more balanced view. But what do you mean by that, Pastor Alex? I'll illustrate. 
the Hebrew term for law is Torah. Torah means, doesn't mean rules and regulations. It means teaching, direction, guidance, and instruction. I want you all to get this. Christians who experience holiness have integrity in the way they apply God's word to their lives. Christians who experience holiness have integrity in the way they apply God's word to their lives. We do it, we apply it in a balanced way. First, we allow God's word to set limitations and guardrails around our lives. Do you believe? Do you believe God's word sets limitations and guardrails around your life? Yeah, it does. It's done. And that's love. I tell my kids, you have freedom within limits. Freedom within limits. Guardrail. Secondly, we allow God's word to direct, guide, and instruct the way we function in our life. So it's both ends. It's not either or. But do we, as Christians, do we apply God's word that way? One commentator says, if we have integrity, our whole lives are built around the word of God. Our whole lives. But do we believe it? Look at verse 4. It says, you have commanded your precepts to be kept diligent. For Christians, this means God's word is the standard by which we measure all areas of our all standards. This is our creed. Right here. This word. It's the standard by which we measure what we support and who we support. It's the standard by which we measure our views on money and gender and marriage and sexuality and missions and family and church and politics and war and whatever else is under the sun. We measure it against this. And at the end of the day, if we're if we really applying this, that means as Christians, we don't fully align ourselves with anything that's not Christian. Because there's nothing in this country that's fully Christian. Hey, you, you got church that ain't fully Christian. So there's some things that we will agree with, some things we won't agree with. There's some things we will get involved with, we won't get involved with. There's some things we can support certain things to a point. Because there's nothing in this country that, that fully uses this as its But we should. But we should. And that means, functionally, if you're involved in an organization, if you're involved in, in any type of party, that means you should be able to self-criticize the groups that you are involved with. Because you're like, hey, that doesn't align with what I believe. And it goes both ways. But do we do that? Do we have integrity? When we experience holiness, by having integrity in the way we apply God's word to our lives. In other words, his word would be the measuring stick. The measuring stick. By which we do what we do. Everybody, every human being has a measuring that dictates. And what I'm doing is dictating. So 
So for us, the measuring stick is how it challenges us. It corrects us. It comforts us. It challenges us. changes us. It guides us. But do we believe it? There is no other group of people in all the universe that can say God speaks directly. Hold the very word of God. You gotta understand historically Christians didn't have this. It was all dictated to them by Pope, Cardinals. Common man before the Reformation was not allowed to the scriptures. But we have the very word of God in our hands. So how does God want you to live? Open up the word for yourself. I'm not your priest. I'm your pastor. I'm not your mediator. I'm just your shepherd. You have direct access to Jesus and God through your own walk with him. So that means this cannot be the only time you sit under the word. It's one day a week. You got to be in the word. Because you can't say God's word is your standard if you don't ever be in it. Not to for, for Bible study, but for fellowship and for community. Next, wholeness looks like affection. First, it looks like integrity. Now, it looks like affection. But what do I mean by affection? I mean what Jesus means in uh, Matthew six twenty six. He says to, this, to his disciples, "For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also." These affections. Are the affections of treasures of your heart. Christians experience wholeness when the affections of their heart are properly anchored in the right. That is that is. I should have a whole bunch of amen. Look at verse two. Blessed are those who keep his testimony, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong but walk in his way. Notice that in verse 1, the psalmist mentions the law of God, which means instruction. Here, he talks about testimonies. What is meant by God's testimony? Testimonies for the Lord are the whole declaration of his will. It is the whole word of God in the Old That is the will of God. You see, to keep his testimonies begins with you treasuring them in your heart. It begins there. It begins when the arc of your heart bends more towards Jesus. What does your heart long for? Who does your heart long for? Who, who or what is it? Is it Jesus or is it someone else? Happy are the Christians who keep his testimony, who seek him with their whole heart. Think about it like this. Our hearts operated on a different wavelength before we came to seven faith. Very different. Our hearts beat to a different rhythm before we come to seven faith. But in Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit, our hearts are changed for the better. The wavelengths of our hearts are getting in rhythm with Jesus' wavelength. That's it. And when that happens, your affections for Jesus grow. 
Because you can't say I love Jesus and your heart doesn't beat for him. You don't love him. You don't have affection. All human beings are capable of affection. We're not robots. We're not androids. Even the ones who don't think we have affection, you have it. You know, see what the psalmist is doing there. He's moving away from the external to the internal. The external in verse 1, it deals with us living for God with integrity. The internal in verse 2 deals with the affections of our heart for God, both ends. He wants more than just your external obedience. The Pharisees were externally obedient, but God did not have that. He wants your heart. Does he have your heart? One Christian says, God demands the sincere and honest affection of our heart. While the heart. The heart refers to the center of your being center of our emotions, our reason, and our will, and our affection. So whatever or whoever has your heart, has you. Please know that. Whatever has your heart, has you. All of you. Christians experience holiness when the affections of their heart properly For where your treasure is, there your heart is your heavenly Father. Are you going to say yes? Does Jesus have the affection of you? What did Jesus accomplish through his death and resurrection? He accomplished a lot. For one thing, he restores the broken relationship between God and humanity. You being in a loving, healthy, covenant relationship with God through saving faith in Jesus, to seek God with your whole heart means you can love him back. You can love him back. Have you ever been taught that growing up? You were grew up in the church. That you can love Jesus back. I've said this before. You don't have to die and go to heaven to love Jesus. That would be a that, that's miserable. I can love him now. You can know, as our vision said, so you can know, you can enjoy, you can glorify him now, you can have fellowship with him now, you can commune with him now. Blessed are those who keep his testimony, who seek him with their whole heart. And the blessing isn't simply keeping his will. The blessing is keeping his will in the context of a covenant relationship. Amen. He wants to be in a relationship. And why can I be in a relationship with a God I can't see? Faith. It's not faith. You have to believe what is worth. Everything, older people, younger people, everything that you're looking for and searching for in this life is, can only be found truly in Jesus. Only be found in Jesus. Does it mean your life is going to be easy? Does it mean you're not going to have struggles? But what it means is that you're going to have someone who's by your side. 
question is always, if you don't know him, will you come? And also, if you already know him, don't wander away. And if you wander away, repent and come home. Repent and come home. Spurgeon says, we cannot keep in the heart that which we do not heartily embrace by faith. God's word is his witness and testimony to grand and, and important truths which concern himself and our relation to him. This is this we should desire to know. Knowing it, we should believe it. Believing it, we should love it. Loving it, we should hold fast to all comfort. That means enough won't let anything rob me of my affection for Jesus. Even his gift. Even the gift. So it's usually the blessing that he gives that robs our faith. So everything has to be in its proper place. Jesus, others, and you. Jesus, others, Take a look at this table before us. This table is a reminder of what Jesus has done for each and every one of us. It is a reminder that he is holding fast to you. Do you believe it? The word says, he still made intercession for us. Do you believe it? Do you believe that his blood would never lose its power? Do you believe it? Do you believe that when he was on the cross and he said it was finished, that he was not lying. Do you believe? Do you believe that when he came in the incarnation, little baby Jesus, he came to be the sacrificial lamb for his enemies, to make enemies his friends? Do you believe? If you believe that, if you have accepted that, if you have made a profession of faith, then Jesus invites you to partake of this meal today for your own spiritual nourishment. The elements, the juice and the bread, the Spirit just uses those. These are just elements. The Spirit supernaturally uses this meal to bring nourishment to Jesus and people. Do you believe? Friends and family, if you're, uh, thank you so much for being here. But if you do not profess faith in Jesus and you have questions about it, please see me or one of the elders or the women shepherds at the end of the service, and we will be willing to sit down with you and discuss with you about what does it mean to have everlasting life. Adults, we ask that the kids with you abstain from the elements until they have been invite, invited to the table by the church that you are a member of. And TBC kids, please give Pastor Alex your attention. I want each of you to know that this meal is a reminder to each of you that Jesus loves you. He loves each of you dearly. And it's my, my prayer as your pastor. One day, when you come to save in faith, you be able to partake of this meal with him, our guardians of family. As I say every time, if you have questions about Christianity, or any questions about God and Christianity, your parents have my number. I'm your pastor, too. They can shoot me a text, and we can have a conversation. So please know that this meal is a reminder that Jesus loves you. Please, let's go to the Lord now. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, 
There's no we. The, this is not the Village Church's meal. This is not the, uh, the meal of the Presbyterian Church of America. This is the meal that Jesus gave to the He get. He's given this sacrament as a way to provide spiritual nourishment, supernatural to His people through the Holy Spirit who lives in each of us. So I pray you will use this meal to bring nourishment. The Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread and he had given thanks. He broke it, gave it to his disciples. He said to them, take and eat. This is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. Let the elders come forward. If you would like to have prepackaged uh, elements, please raise your hand. We only have one tray of them, so if you want some, uh, please raise your hand. It's good to have them. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God. My rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold, my refuge, my savior. You have saved me from violence. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him, saved him out of all his trouble. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. And cleanse me from my sin. Love is saints, Christ's body broken, eat of all of In the same manner, Jesus took the cup. Having given thanks, he gave it to his disciples and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for many for the remission.
Preserve me, O oh God. For in you I take refuge. Say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O oh Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. Beloved sons and daughters, the blood of Christ shed for all your sins, past, present, and future. Grant from it, all of you. Lord Jesus, thank you that your blood would never lose its power. I pray, Holy Spirit, as we leave this place, that you would give us the nourishment that we need to go back out into the world to live for you, integrity, live, heart. Please stand, saints, as we close our service.
our guests joining us today. Thank you so much uh, for being with us. Uh, also, don't forget to fill out the scan the QR code if you're a guest and fill up our guest form on a Google form. I appreciate that. I do hope each of you have a wonderful day. Safe travels. Here's God's benediction to his beloved. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And all God's people. Amen. Please greet one another, saints.